You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Good afternoon, Sid Talk. Hello. Good afternoon. Welcome to After The Show listeners. And welcome to Sid Talk. They're not talking back, so you might as well just move on. I can hear them. Oh, mm. creepy Imaginary voices in my head. (laughs) All right, it's Saturday, December the 11th. What was before the after the show discussion? Mm, This movie, your cheese and cracker box that didn't have enough crackers. Yes. (laughs) One of those little meal, not meal, little snack box things. um, Just didn't have enough crackers, which was really sad. Let me say the cracker to cheese ratio was poor. (laughs) (laughs) And that just always makes for a disappointing experience. Oh, so sad. So this is After the Show. We're a movie review podcast. This is episode 714. We look at a movie every week, and this week's movie is The Card Counter, or as Sid Talk likes to call it, The Card Encounter. When I read the title, the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, card, you know, it just occurs to you, like the title. And I'm like, the card encounter, what, so when's the card encounter, or is it just sort of obscure? But he's just a card counter. That's it. That's correct. <laughs> it's a 2021 movie. overthinking it. It comes out on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, the 14th of December. Perfect for a Christmas present for all your children. Mm, is it though? <laughs> Probably not for children. No. It's rated R, not for children. And it's from our friends at Universal who sent us an early copy to review. Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of the movie, The Card Counter slash Encounter. It's about a guy who can count cards, as in gambling at the table. He's had a bad past. He's trying to cope. And that's it. Okay, the box has black background with red text, which is perfect for me to read from. So here we go. Executively produced by Martin Scorsese, Paul Schrader's The Card Counter is told with Schrader's trademark cinematic intensity. An ex-military interrogator turned gambler is haunted by the ghosts of his past decisions. Okay, that's reasonable. That's a reasonable one right there. I can accept that. Yep, because it doesn't really ruin anything. And Mm -mm. All right, so The Card Counter, Sid Talk, what did you think? And not, it was great, the end. It was great, the end. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It was actually really good. So uh, I really, really liked it. It was stimulating, interesting. I was on board. Like, I like a paced movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, it isn't like boom, 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 shit happening, shit happening, shit happening, and the end. It's more like, hmm, this is, we're monitoring this person, how he's behaving, his little relationships he's building up, and it's very, it's sort of like it lulls you, in, to me anyway. You know what I mean? It's almost like sensory deprivation. Everything else disappeared, and I'm just trying to figure out is actually going on here. Yeah. So now, I really enjoyed it. Now, can I say, the first like 20 minutes of the movie, it was kind of off-putting to me. I was in the mind of, I hated the movie. I was thinking, do I hate this movie? And you know why? I don't know about cards at all. So any card scene in a movie, there's no tension to me because i don't know what's winning and what's losing okay always i've tried to like figure it out but never really tried hard enough 
So any movie with a, you know, a card sequence or in fact, at the beginning, he, he explains how you count cards and he does it with like a voiceover and like notation on the screen. And that part, I actually was like, wow, that was a good explanation of card counting. I didn't understand it. So not, I kind of do now. But then whenever there was card scenes, I didn't really know what was going on. Mm. I don't know what, what they have to get or what's better than another. So that was kind of putting me off a little bit. And that's not unique to this movie. I've had that in many different card movies. It's also an unusual movie, didn't you think? Like in the, like you said, the pacing, the actual, the way it looks, it kind of looks cheap on some. Hmm, I did not think that at all. I mean, I love that the sets were like super genuine because I have been in some cheap motels in my life and uh, there's a little history for you. And it felt super genuine. So I love that. If that's what you're talking about, I feel like the cheapness of him choosing to stay. Because see what he is? He's a high state. He can be a high state gambler, right? So he could go to the casinos, stay in the big fancy suites because he's a big, you know, he's a whale or whatever, or he can get funded by the big money. But what he does is he doesn't stay at the casino, which he has a good reason because he said, well, once you're there, they know everything about you. You're like in the system. But he just stays at the cheap, shitty motel. Part of his character is a punishment thing for himself. And he even writes in his journal how much punishment is enough. When do you know there's enough punishment, right? So I feel like him staying at the cheap places, having a semi, I don't know what his car is. See, you know about, you don't know about cars. I don't know about cars. He just had a regular Ford um, Focus. Like a rental car. And it's all very, you know, low key. And it's sort of like the most basic he can do. He covers all the furniture with cloth. You know, he's been in prison. We haven't mentioned that. So he likes things to be no stimulation, no frills, sort of like his own inflicted self-suffering. So I feel like that's where that you might feel like the tactile cheapness. Yeah. But I feel like it fit exactly right. Because then when you go in the casino, then it's tacky and cheap. Like you look down on a conference room full of tables of people playing poker And it's really, to me, it's just like, ew. I mean, I'm not against poker tournaments or anything, but it just seems so factory. It's like a factory farm of people sitting there making money for other people, right? And they just happen to be doing poker instead of like a bunch of cattle in a horrible factory farm. That's what it looked like to me. So that made it feel like sleazy a little bit. Then you had the glamorous moments, like all the lights and the shiny stuff and the park with all the lights. And that looked really cool. And that was when he's with her. So that's sort of like the lifting up part. So I feel like the cheapness was right. Yeah. Well, for the first 15 minutes, that was the case for me. I was like, I'm kind of done with cards already. And (laughs) secondly, I'm not fully into some of these shots that he's doing. Like, Hmm. there's a lot of like behind the shoulder shot. And it wasn't really the locations I was. I don't know. It's just something about the way it looked. Hmm. But then when Oscar Isaac started getting into the character a bit, because I was like, I don't actually get the guy apart from what what you just said about him, you know, kind of on the laying low, trying to make a little bit of money here and there to actually eventually have more money and not be caught. But then he started getting into his character and his character started to be slightly odd. And then I was like, oh, hold on, what's going on with this character? And I can honestly say from the beginning of the movie till pretty much near the end, I couldn't put a nail on what exactly was going on with him. Right on. And that was the good part. That was where I was like, okay, I'm actually starting to get into this. I agree. And Oscar Isaacs plays it so well. 
it's just slowly doled out to you, like his character. You're like, okay, he's just this on the surface. That's what he's doing. And then there's these horrendous kind of sequences in the middle, which you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Once, you, once those scenes come in, which I had no idea that that was going to be a thing, because this movie also is about war crimes, you would call it, would you? Or would you call mm-hmm. it like just military crimes? Uh, war I mean, they're terrible. Crimes yeah. against humanity. Yeah, which actually comes a bit out of left field, graphically depicted all of a sudden. And you're like, whoa, I was just in a casino. It was kind of, it felt, this movie felt calm in some way. And now I'm kind of, I've got anxiety all of a sudden. But that's how it's supposed to be. Which is what I liked about it. That's what I'm saying. So once that all started to occur, and then I was like, I don't actually know how that connects to this. And it slowly does connect to it. And I couldn't say if the ending was satisfactory for me. There's one scene I wasn't fully into. Mm. I was totally fine with it. I felt like it was exactly where he was headed the whole time. Yeah, but so I I don't, I'm not talking about the scene you're talking about. There's mm. just a love conquers all kind of oh, scenario. That, I think that was fine. I don't think it's love, but, you know, that's yeah. my interpretation. So I that, think it's like broken equals broken and we're okay. Yeah. But the ride along the way mainly the actual acting. If you came in this for like a, you think it's an action movie or something, it's not that. Uh, no. It's quite a slow burn. Kind of character. an inaction. Yeah, lack of action. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless you find like card games exciting. but And there aren't tons of card games. I mean, there's lots of cards going on, right, in the background and stuff. And sometimes him sat at a table. But you never fully have to be focused on the cards after the first couple. It's more like, just look at him and like you can see whether he's winning or not. That's kind of how I did it. To be fair, does Oscar Isaac ever look happy if he wins or loses? No. He just looks the same either <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> the card games, you know, they kind of go to the background and the characters come to the foreground. And that's where I was like, okay, I think I'm in on this. And I kind of understand the vibe it's going for. It even starts, like, unusually for a film, with the actual full credits at the beginning. Which I said to you, oh, this feels like a 70s movie. And then when I realize who directed this, that kind of makes sense. I don't know if it feels like a 70s movie, the rest of it, to be fair. Maybe the music? I think the study of the person, like the being able to just be in this person's presence and like trust that at some point you're going to find out. Because that's how... Most 70s movies, I mean, he, I mean, he, this guy did Taxi Driver, and there is that vibe, like, we just have to sit here and then let it unfold, and if you're kind of on the side of the person because you've spent so much time with them, and now you find out something horrible, then you're torn, and then you're like, I just need to sit in this for a little bit, like, and that feels like 70s vibe to me. Yeah. Now, the plot thread of the movie that I really loved was... Without spoiling the whole thing. Yes, please don't. Was he meets a young guy along the way who's going through a trauma, let's say. He's also going through a trauma himself. The Oscar Isaacs character, William Tell. He tries to be like a guiding figure to this young person to say like, if you go that way, the way I can see that you're trying to go, that's the end for you. Yeah. You need to go this other way and maybe I can be the person that sends you the right way. But on the other hand, he's a bit conflicted, isn't he? Because the thing that needs doing might need to be done. Yeah. 
So I like that because it felt like this kid's just drifting about and then he tags along with him, being his partner basically in the casino, but not really, right? Because No, just it's not anything. He, he knows. Just he, sends him off. Okay, we've picked up. This dude approaches him because in this guy's past, there's a military thing and the young guy's dad was involved. It's very terrible. Blah, blah, blah. The kid wants revenge on the major guy who involved them in this back in the day. I don't think he even knows what to do with him, but he knows he can pay for him to just have a hotel room and like, you know, just ride with him and go around. And I think he's formulating his plan. Yeah. Giving him time to get out of his head this notion about revenge. Then when he feels like he's ready, then he does the whole deal. And then, you know, I think that is what... I, I really enjoyed the scene where he's talking to him. They're in the casino and he says, do you like what this is? Like, do you like living in the, you know, living around the casino and doing this stuff? And he's looking at him as though to say, I know that you kind of do, but that other thing that you can never get out of your mind, that's the thing you're thinking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like and I know, because that's what I'm thinking about all the time, but you <laughs> need to try and get away from that. What it boils down to is that thing you can't really ever let go, can you? There's a thing in your mind that Clearly. you need to sort. This guy has to sort it. The young dude has to sort it. And by the end of the movie, it gets sorted in one way or another, yeah. I guess. And I really enjoyed that. So it was more like the interaction. Also, the interaction between Oscar Isaac and the Tiffany Haddish character. Oh, was, yeah. I love that. Because it's an odd, you know, she's in casinos, which I wasn't aware of the stable idea. Did you know about that before mm -hmm. this? So she's like a person who gets these people who can do card counting, etc., and puts them together, gives them money, and then makes money off them. She does not give them money. Well, the, the investors She runs do. the stable. Yeah, the investors Other people, yeah, other people give them money. So it's like a, like a big She's con. She's like an agent of Yeah, it's sorts. like an agent for a con. <laughs> and it's just this giant con that's going on. But the people who do the card counting need to have money to gamble, so it kind of works out for everybody. And she's the, like a person who does that, and he likes her. But then it's like a slow burn, isn't it, the relationship? Like it, cause, yeah. Because you can see he's so guarded. There's no chance like he really wants to give anything away. And the kid kind of, you know, his relationship with the kid actually leads him to this person, doesn't it? Because he wouldn't have made a move without the kid, what mm. the kid said, you know? True. It's the character interactions. It's definitely a character piece. Don't come in here for action because <laughs> I would say there's zero action. Because even the action... Let's talk about the ending without spoiling it. There's some action, but it's off-camera action. Yeah. And even the other action is also off-camera. <laughs> so anything that's involved with action, you're not getting a car chase, you're not getting a fight, you're not getting anything really like that. Correct. But you are getting this very s slow, deliberate character piece that I think is my favorite Oscar Isaac performance. Because he got into it. Yeah, and you really like him. I mean, in this one, he is intense with capital I, intense. <laughs> I mean, he's intense. Like, you can't even, it's like there's no break in him. He's just this stern, I'm holding something inside. True. But I want the external part of me to appear like I'm unfazed by stuff. But inside, I'm just messed. Like a mess, right, inside. Like I am a jack-in-the-box, just not, I just am waiting to spring my whatever you know what i mean yeah. it's that's how it felt i found that impressive because it's kind of powerful the performance he gives so talking of performances 
Let's go on to the cast. Oscar Isaac is William Tell. I can't say anything bad about it. It was great. And what did I say? You said you're now on board with him. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> before, I mean, he was fine. And, you know, you've been a fan. But, you know, anybody who goes into Star Wars, you kind of blindly fall in love with. I'm a little more choosy than that, to be honest. But <laughs> over time, I've gotten used to him. Let's just say that and without being horrible. And now I was like, okay, I like watching him. I like the way he... It was really intense, you know? I really like his, like, there are times when he's just, like, looking in the mirror, and I felt like, oh, this guy is a threat, right? Mm. Our first instinct has been to, like, kind of root for him, like, oh, this guy's broken, he's got some problems, boo-hoo. And then you're like, whoa, 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 he's a threat, he's dangerous, and I felt that, so I, I admired that. He was also great in a movie called Ex Machina, if you've not seen that. Mm -hmm. You should see that. He was good in that. We've also got Tiffany Haddish as Lolinda. She's a stand-up comedian, Saturday Night Live person. What did you think of her in this Amazing. serious role? Amazing. I found myself wanting to see her more. Yeah. So I was on board. And she totally dropped totally. the you know wacky oh, yeah. thing completely. But again, she dropped the wacky thing completely, but still she was charming. And Very. funny when she had to be. She did have some funny moments where she said something amusing. Yeah, yeah I really liked her in it. Ty Sheridan, who I is from Ready Player One. I really like that movie. He plays Kirk with a C. What did you think of Ty? That he was good. And he he at first you're like, this guy's a dick. Like he's just a big baby. He's he's claiming, like, well, I found this on the internet about torturing people, therefore kind of I know. Right? I know yes. what's up. And you're just like, you want to smack him in his little head and be like, what is wrong with you? You're actually talking to a person who's been in the military, done all the stuff. And you're like, yeah, you can buy that on eBay. Like, it's casual. No big deal. I figured it all out just from my own little internet research. Also, having no ambition or any anything about his life whatsoever. He's just cottoned on to this idea of revenge, but not even like fully planned it out. He's not like clever or interesting. And at first I found that super boring. I was like, oh, this guy. But then I realized that's, if you think of his life as he has described it, this is his moment to like be something, even though you're like, this is nothing. Right. You're not going to achieve this. So so I feel like in the end, he did a really good job of being that guy. It's different to what I've seen Ty Sheridan play before too. Mm -hmm. I've never really seen him do a, a serious, he's usually in an action movie or what was that one we saw? Passengers this year. Was it Passengers? No, not Passengers. Voyagers. 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 You know what I'm talking about. Where they're on a spaceship and they're all going to have sex with each other and stuff. Oh, was he in that? Yeah, he was the okay. main guy in that. Oh, well, there you go. I still don't know what that was called. Voyagers. I'm going for Voyagers. No, that was the one with What's-His-Face. And he woke up the one lady. That, that was Passengers. Oh, right. Yeah, that's why I mixed them up. <laughs> Got but, it. But this was different from Ty Sheridan. You know, he was pretty laid back a bit, I would say. And I liked it. Willem Dafoe plays Gordo. And he's not in it a lot, to be fair. Mm -mm. Two scenes, right? He's Willem Dafoe. He doesn't really do anything out of the ordinary, I don't think. No. But he seemed to fit that end scene. I did like the way he reacted to what was happening, if you know what I'm saying. 
Yeah, he was just pretty like cool as a cucumber. Like, okay, yeah. this is my fate, and um, the guys come and bring it on. Directed by Paul Schrader, I put down some of the things. American Gigolo. He wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote The Last Temptation of Christ. So he's renowned in the. He's done a lot more writing than directing. Let's say. So, what did you think of Paul Schrader's directing? Um, I feel like it was exactly correct. I know that doesn't sound like a rave review, but it was exactly what this story needed. It just felt brooding and dangerous, and yet you're sort of like, oh, hip and cool. You got a little Ocean's Eleven. Your well, brain, more realistic than anything else. Yeah, but your brain kind of sparks in the like, oh, it's like gambling. You know, it could be a scam or it could be where you don't really know what it is. And because it's slow and it looks gorgeous, to me it looks gorgeous. I love all the sets. I love the camera work. I love all of that. The people's performances. I mean, especially when he and her are looking at each other at the bar that one time. I was like, whoa, whoever got them to that point. I'm convinced those two, when the camera quits, are just going to go off on their own. Like, I was convinced. So I feel like that is, you know, exactly perfect. And so I feel like he did, not that it needs my approval, but I thought it was really good. So on the Blu-ray, there's one extra. It's uh, it's called A High Stakes World, and it's a making of kind of thing. It's an interview with Paul Schrader. It's not that long. No. But that's all you get. That's all you get. IMDb reviews, what are those? Those are reviews on IMDb. And you like to make fun of the one stars. Yeah. Because then you think, really? You took the time of your life to say, this movie was a waste of my time. So let's Period. see. That's it. So trust me, there are hundreds of those out there. All right. Go, 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 go. One star reviews, number one. What a shocker. It's the worst film of 2021. <laughs> it lacked plot, it lacked heart. It had potential early, but fell flat. It's weak as water. Oh, my. This film is trash. This is the second one. This film is trash from beginning to end. Slow, pedantic, and awful. The acting is terrible, and I mean god-awful. So excruciating that I dug my old body of evidence VHS to watch Defoe do something good. Here we go, number three. Oh, my goodness. Almost lost two hours of my life that I won't be getting back anytime lost soon. Lost two hours of my life. Oh, you pathetic. Poor story and plot all the way through. You are left waiting for something which never happens. I expect better from these people. And finally, I mean, what the F is this movie? A guy in torture in prison. I, I didn't say that wrong, by the way. He says, a guy in torture in prison. <laughs> ah, hell, I give up. Okay, okay. We get it. So that's our uh, one-star reviews for this week. <laughs> Those are not views of these podcasters. Uh, they are not. So score for this movie, I am giving The Card Counter a 7 out of 10. Ooh, 7. Not super high then. Do you think that your aversion to gambling is part of your pro- or ga- cards or whatever? It could be. But that I did enjoy the movie. That seems unfair, but okay. Uh, I'm going to give it like an 8.5. I really liked it. All right. So <laughs> still pretty close. 7 and 8.5. Come on. Mm. No, it isn't. That's the whole point. Uh, point, point five uh, Difference. No, no, no. Now, I mean, mine's correct and yours is incorrect. So that's how different they are. So thank you to Universal <laughs> for letting us watch The Card Counter. You can watch it on the 14th of December on streaming or Blu-ray. So movie recommendations for this week. 
I'm going with two of my favorite casino slash gambling movies, even though it's not my favorite genre. But this movie, which I'm going to mention first, is the best hands-down movie I've ever seen about casinos. And it's called Owning Mahoney. Oh yeah, you do love that one. And it stars Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. And it is effing fantastic. (laughs) I could watch it again right now, it's so good. So, Owning Mahoney, highest regards. I think it's a 10 out of 10 movie for me, that one. And my second one is Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie, and it's called Hard Eight. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Also, a fantastic casino-based movie. Aren't you surprised I didn't say Casino? No. Because Casino's not my favorite movie. No. We all know that it's not your favorite movie. But Only Mahoney, whew, it's <laughs> top tier. You've I'm talked probably, about that one since the day you watched it. Yeah, I, I, could, I, I watched it twice in the same day. I liked it that much. And I don't know if many people have seen it. Mm. I don't think it was a giant box office hit, was it? Very good. I had never heard of it until you told me about it. So, yeah. And I watched it because we watched Love Lisa, which was oh, yeah. another Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. And I was like, this guy's awesome. I want to see him in something else. And that was the one I chose. So, there you go. They're my recommendations for this week. Yours are? Mine are... Going back to the 80s, that's all I'm doing for the 2021. And I think I'm going to continue into 2022. So these are not about quality or relation to this movie. And look what I typed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I've not seen that one. I have Star 80, which is a sad story based on a true story about a model lady who was killed by her husband's about domestic violence. Got Eric Roberts and Miriam somebody in it. I'm sorry, I forget her last name. It's quite intense. It's one of those, you know, violence against women kind of a movies. And then Impossible Whopper is what I have for the other one, which is not a movie from the 80s. Let me go back. Nor should it be in that spot on the... Max Dugan Returns. What? Max Dugan Returns. Let me look that up real quick for you. That sounds like a quality joint. Well, no, it's got like, um, what's her face in it from that one with that guy? Oh, yeah, that one. (laughs) Hold on. Jason Robards, Marsha Mason, Donald Sutherland, Matthew Broderick. I mean, come on. I don't know it. There's some heavy hitters. It's one of those drama, personal, the dad who's quite a bit older than the son and comes back into their life when she's like a super independent lady. It's from, it's the 80s, obviously, 80 something, 83, maybe 84 is where I'm at in that. Right. 83, it says. It's just a character, kind of a play. It feels like it could be on a stage, and it possibly is as well. But there's that. That's it. So Ace Scully stuff this week. I played, well, it was the Game Awards this week, and uh, I don't give a F about the Game Awards, to be fair. Good, good. I'd be embarrassed if you just did. Just a giant like commercial. But something cool came out of it, and it's called The Matrix Experience. Now, in, a, what, two weeks, the new Matrix movie comes out, and... This is a weird one because there's no Matrix game coming out. This is actually a demo for the Unreal Engine 5, which is a new engine that video games will be made out of. So they got the Matrix people to make this in-game. It's not in-game, is it? It's like what games could look like in the future if they use this new engine. And it stars Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. And it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen on the PlayStation. I understand it's a tech demo, so it's kind of been like carefully made to look fantastic every single second of of its showing. 
but it's the kind of a glimpse into the future of video games and how rich they look because it looks just like the movie right i mean i'm not you so i don't see it as perfect as you i play a lot of video games so this is like a like a 70 percent step up in graphics to me when i'm looking at it right like if i look at gta 5 and then i look at the city that they built in this game it's like oh my god i didn't think it would ever get to this level okay so that's how it looks to me Anyway, if you want to see it and you've got a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X or S, it's free. You can just download it from the store and experience it yourself. It's not really a game, it's just, but it is an open world that you can run around in. It's just that you don't do anything in the world. You're just looking at what video game graphics will be in the future. And I also, this week, Halo Infinite came out, the campaign. The multiplayer came out a couple of weeks ago, but now the campaign is out. So if you're into the story of Halo, this is Master Chief's latest adventure. And the best part is, if you subscribe to Game Pass, it's free. Get it on Game Pass. Game Pass for PC at the moment is $1 for three months. So you can't really lose for a dollar. You get to play the latest Halo game. I am maybe like a third of the way into it. And what is different about the new Halo, and they've never done this before, is it's open world. So it's not just like, you know, you're running down a narrow path that they're sending you on. You can go anywhere you want and do anything in any order you want, which is pretty much how all games are nowadays. So it's good to see Halo doing that as well. So what's for dinner, Sid Talk? I think we're going to go with Impossible Whoppers. That's about it. And what is your advice? My advice is... I've just not, it's not advice, it's an observation. I've just observed over the last couple of years, few years actually, but more closely, last couple of years. We all know societies change, we all change, we grow, we evolve or devolve, whatever, whatever, whatever. Words, language, how we perceive people, all that stuff. One thing I've noticed is that a lot of the people, even people I know, and then just observing people I don't know personally, but sort of individuals who, you know, express their opinions. Not everyone, but some of the people who fear things like socialism and having someone take away all their rights and all their individualism and all their choices to be able to live their life the way they want are also the exact same people who fight and resist against even the idea that someone would not want to be considered male or female, right? Right. This is all gender sexuality and gender-based, this resistance to having someone say in society comfortably and just accepted that, well, you know what? I don't identify with any of that. I'm just me. I don't, I don't need a gender assigned to me. These people who will die, <laughs> right? They claim they'll die before they let anyone take their rights away and their choices away and their ability to live their life their way will easily take away that from someone else because it's something they don't understand or because it's not the same, right? You're all in your little boxes when you're in the world where it's like men are men, women are women, men do this, women do that, society looks like this, you do a school, you get a job, you have some kids, you have some grandkids, and then you die. And that is life. And that is the box we all want you to live in. And that's what they're fighting to retain is that image of life, their way of life, right? And claiming that it's for everyone. But when in fact, if someone else doesn't want to live that life, 
that's what they will not support or, you know, wouldn't stand and fight for, which I just find, I don't even understand the opposition to expanding our understanding of gender and sexuality. I can't even get my head in a place where I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I don't judge people for not getting it, but I try really hard. Like, do you even understand why someone would care if the portion of the population who are born, like who they are, or even if they choose, now you, people will, there's a truth to this. There, are, there might be people who are born and their inclination, their urges, or whatever there's going on in them makes them sexually attracted to the opposite sex, you know, in the traditional way. But they just, in their life, they've come to choose other ways of living their life. Also, that's not a problem. That shouldn't even be an issue in society, right? As long as it's two consenting adults who have the ability to make the choices for themselves and all that stuff, I can't even comprehend why that's an issue. How did that ever become a thing? I just don't even get it. So that's it. No advice there at all. <laughs> no advice, just... <laughs> Spewing. Spewing. Aceschoolie.com <laughs> is the website you can go to to pick up this podcast for free. We're also on anchor.fm slash after the show, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. We're everywhere where podcasts can be. I just want to make a point that we're free, Sid Talk. Nice. We're so free. I like that. Yeah, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can email me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really hates everybody. I don't, actually. I don't hate anyone, even the person who can't grasp gender differences. I mean, I can't hate you because I don't understand you. I, I don't know you well enough to hate you. <laughs> I mean, you can't. You can, but you can't. Yeah, I mean, it's not reasonable to hate someone just because they can't accept gender differences when you want to promote the idea of not hating people because of gender differences. It doesn't go together. It's all very confusing, isn't if it? If you want world? to promote the idea that you can harm someone based on their sexuality or their dislike of someone's sexuality, that's different. No, that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. True. One thing I didn't mention before we go is we also watched the fourth episode of Hawkeye this week. What did you think of Hawkeye? Loved it. I really like it. It's a fun show. Fun it, show. I like its vibe. I like the Christmas vibe. Yeah. I like the New York City at Christmas scenario. You yeah. Know? It's always kind of nice. Perfect timing to bring it out at Christmas. Was that intentional, do you think? Of course. <laughs> it's Marvel. Don't even pretend they don't have lots of high-level motives <laughs> to manipulate you. <laughs> and there's only two episodes. It's only a six-episode series, so it's brief. What's exciting is... We get to watch that for another two weeks. And then what takes its place is the Book of Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Listen to you. You're very excited. I just like to eat up everything that Disney and Marvel give us. I can tell. I can tell. I like and I, I'd be heartbroken for you if there ever came a time when they decided not to. No, they, they won't because they know I need Listen to, to uh, you. take it. Oh, take because you need it. Right. Yeah. I get you. All right. I want to say stay classy, Mr... Oscar Isaac, who is very classy in this movie and very, I would say, restrained, because that's what this role needed, like sure. restraint. So there you go. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you.